0: You are listening to the Long Hollow Podcast. For more information on Long Hollow or to watch a video version of this podcast, visit www.longhollow.com. Begin with a message entitled, Don't Miss the Moment That You're In. Don't miss the moment that you're in right now. Now, if you know me, uh, many of you know I have a hard time slowing down. In fact, even when I'm resting, I'm learning new hobbies and uh, I have a tendency to run at a frenetic pace in life. But in December, I was forced to slow down like all of you when it snowed, right? Uh, Interruptions have a way of slowing us down. And what I've learned is over being here now about 16 years in Tennessee, is that South Louisiana boys have a hard time driving in the snow. Okay, but here's what I've also learned. Middle Tennessee folks do as well, okay? It's like nobody in our town could drive, right? And so the snow forces you to slow down and to pay attention to your surroundings. And so I I learned when I was driving slow on these back roads that I normally zoom down on a daily basis, I noticed things that I didn't see before. For example, I noticed on the left there was this enormous tree with a creek that was kind of running around, it looked amazing. I noticed on the right side of the road, I'd never seen this, this old barn that was covered with snow. It looked like a Thomas Kincaid painting. And what I realized is when I drive slow at a normal pace, I tend to see things that I miss. The same thing happens in your life. When you and I are so busy, we have a problem being present. And that's the title of the series. And so for the next few weeks, I am really excited about our time over the next few weeks. We're gonna talk about how we can be present as fathers and mothers with our children, how we can be present as husbands with our wives, as wives with our husbands, uh, as children with our parents, and more importantly, how we can be present as believers with the Lord. And I think we all could benefit from that. So today I wanna start, with a lesson from two sisters who were really good friends with Jesus named Mary and Martha. And they're gonna give us an insight about how we can be, because the reality is some of you are present today, but you're not present because your mind is somewhere else. And so Martha and Mary will teach us an insight. If you have a Bible, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke in the New Testament if you're joining us today and you don't know how the bible is laid out there there's the old testament and the new testament there are four gospels luke is number three so just go um to luke a, a cool way to find the new testament is learn this in seminary if you open it halfway you find psalms if you open it three quarters you'll find the new testament kind of a neat insight so i was always cheating in class because i didn't know the bible when i was a new christian so I was, and another cool tactic is the table of contents, which never hurts, <laughs> by the way. I use that, minute. used to have my finger there all the time in class, right? Okay, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. We like to say word at Long Hollow. When you're there, you can say Word. The word of the Lord. While they were traveling, Jesus and his disciples, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. But one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice and it will not be taken away from her. The word of the Lord. I wanna teach you two insights about being present, first of all, with God. This is kind of a two-part sermon I'll unpack over the next two weeks. But the first insight I want you to write down, this would be a great time to start taking notes on your phone or your iPad or notepad because you'll wanna go back and reference this. The first insight is this, do not allow activity to overshadow intimacy with God. Do not allow activity for God to overshadow intimacy with God. Now, Mary and Martha were really close friends of Jesus. I would submit to you outside of the disciples, Jesus's closest friend as a man was who? Do you know who I think it was? Lazarus. And the reason I believe that is the last house visit Jesus makes on the way to the cross is Lazarus' house, and he has two sisters named Martha and Mary. Now, the two sisters couldn't be more different. Martha was a doer. She was active. Mary was a contemplative. She was a thinker. She was a processor. And when Jesus visits her home, she takes the opportunity, Mary, that is, to learn from him. And so here's what the text says. Look at it. Sitting at his feet. That's an idiom in the Hebrew language for discipleship. She wants to learn from Jesus. Now, this was countercultural really to the first century. Why? Because in the first century, women particularly could not learn from a rabbi. The process was at the age of 10, all girls and boys would go to yeshiva school, the Beit four, the Beit Talmud, and then they would kind of shift after that, the first level, and the girls would go work in the family business in the home. And so they never were allowed to learn from a rabbi. That was a man's opportunity. But aren't you encouraged today as a woman, and this should empower all the women today, aren't you encouraged that Jesus not only calls women, he not only invites women to follow him, he empowers women to be his disciples today to go make more disciples. He's the first, listen, he is the first rabbi in Jewish history to have ever done that. It's interesting. But in this particular account, Martha needs help in the kitchen. Martha's a busybody, And so obviously with a sister feud, and I know if you have a sister in here or one sitting next to you, you never did this before, but in typical sister fashion, she tattles on Mary publicly instead of going to whisper in her ear privately, like, hey, hey, sis, listen, it's a lot of work to prepare for 13 guests. You think you'd come give me a hand in the kitchen? She doesn't do that. She actually yells it out publicly. Hey, Mary, you you, you old lazy sister of mine. Why don't you come give me a hand in the kitchen? And as a result, I want you to get this, of Martha calling Mary out publicly, Jesus is gonna rebuke her publicly. Now, this is a sermon for another day, but I just felt like I'd get on a soapbox, Sermon 1 of 2023, if you allow me for a moment. But this is a reminder for us as the people of God. Listen to me that we should never take our criticism or our judgment about another person publicly or online. And I'll show you the principle in a minute. Or even against the church. It, It just blows my mind. I've never understood how church folk think that sharing their concerns publicly on Facebook or hip Hendersonville is helpful when they've never contacted a pastor or even reached out to the church about their concern. They've heard saying, well, you have a concern now. We don't have a concern now, but I felt like I need to share this, why? Because Martha calls Mary out publicly, Jesus calls her out publicly. And Martha's gonna get a bad rap here. And in fact, many people look at Mary as the superior spirituality to Martha. But Martha's like a lot of us. She's a busybody, right? We find our identity in what we do for God. And the problem with Martha wasn't just that she was busy, though. I want to show you a secret uh, or an insight here. The problem with Martha is much deeper than that. See, the problem with Martha is the problem meaning of of you you have and the problem I have. Martha's problem is that she is distracted by the duties of life. And one sign that shows us Martha is out of balance with God is the fact that she is dictating to Jesus what to do. Think about this. She is commanding Jesus. "Jesus, you need to go ahead and order that sister of mine to come get in the kitchen and help me out. Now, the flip side is Mary chooses the right posture because she's in the right frame of mind. She wants to be in the presence of God by listening. She's not so interested in instructing as much as she is in listening and hanging on every word from God. If Martha, I believe, was invited to sit at the feet of Jesus, she couldn't have done it. Why? Because she has too much to do in the kitchen, too much to do in the home, too many distractions in life. What about you? Let me ask you, does your activity for God overshadow your intimacy with God? Let me ask you today, do you have a hard time being present with the Lord? Do you feel energized when you do great things for God or you serve God, but you have a hard time and you struggle with sitting and listening alone with God? Who who do you identify with more? Do you identify more with Mary the doer or Martha the contemplative? Do you have a hard time discerning the, the will of God for your life or the direction of God for your life? Here's the tragedy in the Christian life. Come in close, write this down. It's very easy to do ministry for Jesus without intimacy with Jesus. Think about that. It is very easy to be a representative of Jesus and not know Jesus personally, not have intimacy with Jesus. Now, here's why I tell you that. Everything in our Christian life flows from our love for God. Teaching our boys this just yesterday, actually, that, that, If you wanna fix the horizontal situations or relationships or circumstances in your life, you need to go back to the vertical relationship with God. That that our love with God and from God flows into everything else. Let me say it this way. The life source for everything in your life can be traced back to God. Now. If that's the case, and I've heard this for years from leaders and theologians and pastors that you need to find a way to live, watch this, a balanced life. You've heard this, anybody heard this? You gotta find a way to live a balanced life. You have to balance work with intimacy. You have to balance duty with devotion. Anybody ever heard this before? I wanna suggest to you something different. And this right here is the aha moment 10 years ago of my life. Number two insight, write this down. Number two is this, don't seek balance, live in rhythm. Don't seek balance, live in rhythm. As the great philosopher Johnny Cash used to say, get rhythm when you got the blues. Hey, I mean, he knew something. what did he say, get what? Audience participation. I mean, this is one of the lines. Oh, this is like, I thought, if anybody could get this line in any church I preach in in the world, it's Middle Tennessee and Nashville, Sundra so Kai. Get rhythm. That's what he's saying, right? Get rhythm. Now, rhythm is an interesting concept because that's not what we hear today. I remember I was a 22 year old car salesman at Royal Honda. Uh, I was sat down by my sales manager, and my life was literally out of control. Unbeknownst to him, I just started a drug addiction behind the scenes. I was drinking alcohol every night of the week. I worked during the day to live, to go to the bars at night and the club on the weekend. And I remember he, he, he basically sat down and he's like, your life is totally unbalanced. And he took a white piece of paper on one of those little tables, and he drew two lines in the shape of a cross, and he created four quadrants. And he said, Robbie, the key to success is to find balance in four areas of your life. Work, rest, hobbies, relationships. You've heard this before: work, rest, hobbies, relationships. Now, it was great advice at the time and it fell on deaf ears, but I would remember that through the years, trying to get my unbalanced life back into some form of balance. And from time to time, I would do that. Well, 10 years ago, Right after I had my pacemaker installed at the age of 35, teetering on the edge of burnout, I met a man who taught me a secret uh, about life. And basically this concept that I'm gonna teach you turned the idea of balance on its head. It was counterculture, if you will, to that idea. The problem I had even at that time with balance is the same problem you have. I knew a lot of people who were seeking a balanced life, who were on the edge of burnout. You know anybody like that? I saw a lot of people who felt like failures internally even though they lived balanced life of work and rest and play uh, and hobbies and relationships. I just felt like something was wrong there. Now, when I started to look at the Bible, here's what I found. You will be hard pressed to find anybody who lived a balanced life. Go find one. Let me think of David. King David was anything but balanced. Let's be honest. At one moment, he's fighting a giant. At the next moment, he's dancing naked in the town. And at the next moment, he's on his face begging God for mercy through repentance after his sin. Think of the apostle Paul. You think Paul was balanced? (laughs) I mean, one minute, Paul is confronting Peter face to face because he's preaching a gospel that's not accepting the Gentiles. And then the next minute, Paul is on his face, crying out three times, Lord, take this thorn away from me, please. Paul was anything but balanced. Let's take Jesus. Jesus didn't live a balanced life. I mean, at one moment, Jesus is in silence and solitude alone with the Father all night. And the next moment, he's in the temple flipping tables and cracking whips, right? One moment, he's confronting Peter because he's following the agenda of Satan. And then the next minute, he's standing silent before his offenders like a sheep before its is not to offend, to pr- fulfill prophecy. So Jesus was not balanced. However, watch this, watch this. They all lived in rhythm. They all lived in rhythm. Now, to understand this concept of rhythm In balance, we have to understand the two words in the Bible for time. Told you you're gonna wanna take notes. This is a great opportunity to just kind of write this down and think about it. In the Bible, there are actually two words for time where we translate the word time. The two words are, I have them on the screen, chronos time and kairos time, two words for time in the Bible. Chronos time and kairos time and I'll explain them. Chronos time is where we get the word what? Anybody wanna take a guess? Chronological, right? It's, in a sense, a calendar time. It's clock time, it's rigid, it's solid, it's fixed, it's a snapshot of something, that is chronos time. And I'll I'll give you an example. This word chronos is used 53 different times in the Bible, one of which is Luke chapter one, verse 57. Now the time, chronos time, had come for Elizabeth to give birth and she had a son. So that's a fixed point in time for the birth of her son on the calendar, we can document the time. Cairo's time on the other hand, you ready for this, is in counter time. Cairo's time is quality time with another person. Cairo's time is recognizing an investment and seizing the moment to take advantage of it. Kairos time is having discernment in a situation to know the right word to say to encourage another person. The Bible uses this as a moment in time. You've heard this before, or as a divine appointment. Jesus actually starts his ministry not on Kronos time, but on Kairos time. You ready for this? Mark chapter 1, verse 14. This is how Mark says Jesus is coming out of his formal ministry happens. After John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God saying, the what? The time is fulfilled. Now that wasn't a calendar clock time. That wasn't a a time that, 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 that people knew. This is the season of time, this is the moment of time to fulfill the kingdom of God coming near. Repent and believe the gospel. Think of Kairos this way. Kairos is rhythm. Kairos is flexible. Kairos is dynamic. It has movement to it. Think of it as a video that is progressively unfolding. Now, why why, why is that important? Did you know that God has set up the world based on rhythm, okay? What do you mean, Robbie? The moon works on phases. The seasons work on a schedule. The tide at the sea works on a system of rhythm. I mean, that's how it works. In fact, I wouldn't even submit to you, your heart beats at something called the circadian what? Rhythm, right? And these are physical, mental, and behavioral changes that will happen in a person's body over a 24-hour period. Our hearts beat to a what? Rhythm. We breathe to a rhythm. We eat to a rhythm. The older you get, the earlier you eat, right? I mean, five o'clock at Piccadilly and Morrison's it was hard to get in. I'd just be, anybody can to get in, Amen. How many people miss Piccadilly? Y'all had Piccadilly, Morrison? But everybody in here is in rhythm. Now watch this, all that to say, you have to listen. Here it is. Everyone in here is in a moment of time you have never been in before, never. And you will never be here again, okay? How you respond in the moment to make the most of the moment determines the future. Some will miss it, unfortunately. Some will take advantage of it and some will wonder what is a moment, right? They're clueless to it. Let me give you an example. I want you to think of the Olympic world champion, Usain Bolt, you remember him? Do y'all remember him, the world champion runner? Usain Bolt is dubbed or labeled the fastest man on the earth. In fact, he has won, not one, not two, but three different Olympic trials. He beat the world record, which stood for 12 years by a guy named Michael Johnson by a whopping 0.13 seconds. Say that again, 0.13 seconds. It hasn't been beat since. The life cycle of a runner is rhythm. It's Kairos time. Here's what I mean. In the off season, the runner decides he's gonna train for the Olympics, which is a year out, let's say. And he starts that year with light weights, uh, kind of semi advanced running and somewhat of a diet. And the closer you get to the race, they ramp up the intensity. So he has a season of preparation, a season of training, a season of intensity, right before the race, the diet's stricter, uh, the running is more intense, the sprints are more uh, overwhelming, and then the apex of his training is the race. In fact, the intensity at his season of time is at an all-time high, and if you were to take a snapshot of those 19 seconds that he's running, the 19 seconds that he's running, he is exerting all of the energy he has in the moment, everything he has. Now, the next snapshot of that, the next picture of that would be of him resting, would be of him recovering because we all know this about athletics. Rest is essential, don't miss this, if you wanna run again. And then after some time, he gets back into the rhythm of the pre workout and the warm up for the next Olympic trials. Now, here's the secret, and I want you to get this. Here's the secret. You have to determine what season you're in right now and make the most of it. Why? Because if you exert the wrong emotions or the wrong energy or the wrong effort or the wrong intensity in the right moment, you get the wrong results. Does that make sense? If Bolt, here, here's what I mean. If Bolt doesn't rest after he runs, he can never run again. What do you mean? Well, the same goes for you. You can run hard for a season. We all can. But you can't run forever. You can't sustain that pace and energy and effort forever. For example, anybody in here have children under two years old? Anybody ever had kids under two years old? Okay, low hanging fruit on that one, yeah. (laughs) If you're presently in a season where your children in the home are under two years old, it is an intense, stressful season. Remember that season? And and people people say, you'll miss it when it's gone. Uh, I don't know about you, but I ain't never going to miss. I'm ready for it to be gone, right? And I still don't miss it. But anyway, I I, I love that scene. But the the thing is, in the season, it is stressful and overwhelming. But but the great thing about it is you get out of that season and into a new season. Anyone ever start a new business before? Anyone ever start a new ministry before? At the beginning, you have to do a lot to get this thing launched off the ground. You're away from your family, you're away from your spouse, you're away from your kids for a season, but you know that you have hope it'll pay off later. So you can do it, watch this, for a season. I mean, think about starting a new job. Some of you may have a new job this year. You're working late hours. You're traveling around the country and you're visiting different cities. But eventually you tell the family, eventually this is going to end. Now let me speak to the man who's basically saying, this is gonna end, but it never ends. See, here's the reality. You can travel and be away from your family for a moment of time, but you can't do it forever. And brother, sister, listen to me. How many years are you going to tell your wife this line? This is the last year of this, I promise. And listen, and tomorrow never comes. See, one day some of you are gonna wake up and your kids are gone from the home and you will miss the moment you had with them. How about a guy in recovery or a girl in recovery from alcohol or drugs? I remember when I first got sober and went to treatment, immediately when I came back, I was ready to get back to life. I need to go get a job, I need to get my life back. And what happens is we don't take advantage of the season of getting healthy. And I'll speak to you if you're in that season right now. Do not be in a rush to get back to life. You need to focus on being the best you, as healthy as you can be, your relationship with the Lord in this season, because you will never get this season of healing back. Don't rush the process. That's the moment you're in. Now here's the problem of all of this. The problem is when you and I run at an unsustainable pace for an extended period of time, something suffers. Let me say that again. When we run at an unsustainable pace for an extended period of time, something suffers. In an athlete, you know what suffers? The body, you get injured. In a marriage, what suffers? Trust and love. In parenting with your children, what suffers? Support and affection. Dad's not there, dad doesn't believe me, mom doesn't love me, mom's not support. In your relationship with God, what suffers? Intimacy. Remember I said the the life source of everything flows from our love with God and love, love from God and for God. And so the wisest man in the world basically processed this conundrum years ago. He's the wisest man in the world. You know what his name was? His name was Solomon. Y'all, very vocal this morning, by the way. The wisest man in the world was Solomon. And Solomon was wrestling with the purpose of life and the pursuit of meaning and what is satisfaction. And he wrote this in a book called Ecclesiastes. Now, in Ecclesiastes 3, he gets to this process of basically contrasting 14 opposites of human activity. So he basically puts these two opposites together. And I wanna show you what he says, and some of you may remember this. There is an occasion or a time for everything, a time. You know what time that is? Kairos or Kronos, what do you think? Kairos time. There's a season or a time, a moment for every activity under heaven, a time to give birth and a time to die a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to throw stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to avoid embracing, a time to search and a time to count as lost. We've been there, we've experienced these, right? A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sew. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Now, here's what's fascinating. In those eight verses, he actually uses the word time 28 times. And it's not Chronos time, it's Kairos time. It's a moment of time. It's the rhythm of a person's life. Now, don't hear what he's not saying. When he says there's a time to speak and a time to be silent, he's not talking about balance. He's not saying, now, listen, you've spoken 50% or, or, or you've spoken for an hour. Now you've got to be silent for an hour. That's not what he's talking about. What he's saying is you have to discern what moment you're in. If you need to give a word, then speak. If you need to listen, you need to listen. You have to discern the moment that you're in. Here's what I want you to get from this. True wisdom in life, and I believe this, true wisdom in life comes from knowing the moment of time you're in and living to the fullest within it. That's true wisdom and I'll prove it to you. How many parents in here who have grown kids would say to me, I would do anything to have small kids, my kids back small in the home again, just to play and and throw the ball or shoot hoops in the back? How many dads look at me, would say to me, I would do anything to go back and watch my son or daughter play a high school game again? How many divorced men or women would say, I'd give anything to go back and do some things differently. How how many people after losing a loved one would say, man, I wish I could go back. I would give any amount of money in the world to go back and make the most of the time I had with them. Here's the question. Why do we have to realize the value of something when it's gone? Why does it take us... Why is it so hard for us to see the season and time that we're in? I'll give you the answer, because we're too busy. That's the problem, we're too busy. And friends, I promise you, the devil's weapon of mass destruction today is distraction. The devil's weapon of mass destruction in your life is distraction or busyness. And I wanna start this series off by just making us mindful, helping us commit to make the most of the time we have. Let's say today, I select one lucky uh, congregant today and I say, this is a gift for you and here's the gift. I pull you up here and I say, here's the deal. You have won the opportunity to receive a check today for eighty-six thousand dollars, $86,400. it's a check right there, you go cash it at the bank, but it comes with one stipulation. And here's the stipulation. The stipulation is you have to spend all $86,400 today. Okay, that's the stipulation. You can't carry it over to tomorrow and then once you spend it today, it's gone. You, You don't get it back. Here's the question, show of hands. How many people would say, honestly, I could spend it all, in one day. Anybody in here? Raise your hand. And many of you nod in your head because Amazon packages would be prime for delivery. I mean, I'm just saying, I know how to spend that, right? I mean, you, you, you would go purchase purses and PlayStation 5s and and, and new boats and iPads and watches and games and shoes, obviously, and clothes. I mean, you would purchase all these things because you know that the moment that $86,400 is spent, you'll never get it back. You can't carry it over till tomorrow. So let's say at the end of that first day, I come back to check on the progress and I'm blown away. You spent it all. I'm like, wow, I've got another proposition for you and I pull out my back pocket another check for $86,400 with the same stipulation that you can't carry it over, you can't send it ahead, you have to spend it today. And once it's all spent today and the day's over, you, you can't use it another day. The question is, would you be able to spend it again? You'd say, yeah, sure. I mean, I I'd invest in stocks and bonds. I would buy cars. I would uh, purchase collectibles or trading cards or something that I could make my money back on. Nothing would be left over, so I would spend it all. Come in close. Every day of our life, God gives us, God gives you, eighty-six thousand four hundred seconds a day. and you're to free the, spend those seconds any way you like, but there's a stipulation. Once the day is over, you can't carry them on to the next day, they're gone. Listen to me. If you were losing, and I know many of you in here, if you were losing $86,400 a day, would you not do everything in your power to pinpoint the hemorrhage to stop the bleeding? You would, you would go and do anything to figure out, why am I losing this today? Then why don't we do that with time? Why are we not concerned about what is stealing the time from us, from what is important, and from what really matters in life? Friends, let me just say this, and I say this with love. Playing Call of Duty all night is a problem, or Fortnite, or Roblox, or any game you, you, you put in there. It's a problem. Looking incessantly at Facebook posts on the couch is a problem. (laughs) Watching YouTube shorts for hour after hour is a problem. Swiping through Instagram posts or being distracted with your cell phone when you're in the house next to your spouse or your children is a problem. Being consumed with growing a business for an extended period of time where you're actually growing further away from your family and kids is a problem. If nobody's gonna tell you that, I'm here to tell you that today. And it's time for us to be present while we're present. It's time for us to live in the moment. It's time for us long hollow to connect or reconnect with God in a way where we make the most of what we have. It's time for us, get this, to stop living in the past. And it's time for us to start redeeming the present. And so here's my challenge to us. We're starting a 21 day season of fasting and prayer. We do this every year at Long Hollow. And for some of you, it's gonna be fasting for 21 days uh, from food. For some of you say, I can't fast that long. Maybe it's fasting once a week from food. Maybe it's fasting from something else. I don't know, You, you and the Lord figure it out. But over the next 21 days, it's the time for us to really press in and seek the Lord. Here's what I want you to commit to. For the next month, here's what I want you to commit to. I want you to put the phone down when you go home. Here's a challenge for for those who work outside of the home. Finish your phone call before you walk in the door and leave it for tomorrow and trust God with that, amen? Instead of scrolling or swiping endlessly in bed right before you go to bed, the first thing on your mind, why don't you try this? Lie in silence and meditate on the Lord. Be still and know that He's God. Start being present when you're present at home. Now listen, by no means have I mastered this, obviously. But I'll tell you, I've been very intentional over the past year, and it has made a huge difference in my home, I promise you. Because here's what I've been convicted of. If you don't spend time with your kids while they're in the home, then they won't spend time with you when they're out of the home, take that to the bank. Because they're gonna say, Dad never cared about me. Why do I wanna make the effort to go visit Why do I wanna drive? Why do I wanna pick up the phone? He was never there for me. She was never there for me. More importantly, watch this, let us be encouraged and challenged to be present with God. And so let's set a time and carve out an area, a a space in in our home or our office where we can be present with the Lord. We can have an unhurried quiet time with God and let's stick to it, amen? And so here's what I wanna do. We're gonna pray and I'm gonna invite you because I feel like some of us in here just feel disconnected from God. We've been too hurried. We've been too busy. And we need to reconnect with God as we start this journey. Before you can connect with others horizontally, you need to connect with God vertically. So I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna pray in just a moment. And as I'm praying, if you just feel led, if you just feel like God's leading you to do that, just come and spend time with the Lord. You know, you don't have to rush, we're not gonna be in a hurry. and As the Lord just leads you, you come and we're gonna pray and and hear from God. Father, I thank you right now. If people feel led to come right now, God, and just be in your presence to, to meditate upon your goodness, to be thankful for all you've done in our life. God, that's the thing, how often do we take things for granted, we don't thank you for what you're doing. I pray, God, you help us to seize the moment that we're in. And so we're gonna need wisdom to figure that out. So as men and women are led to come, God, and just ask you this question as we come and bow down before before you God: what moment am I in? Help me to recognize, to discern, to interpret, to decipher that, and then to make the most of it, to live to the fullest. In the moment, maybe grief or pain or struggle or a trial, the moment may be joy or happiness or peace, But God, regardless of where we are, you make the most of the moment because you work everything together for the good and your glory. And so we we give that to you. Help us now. Speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name.